So my name is Darren Yaki. I've been at uh, Napnaz Church here for about 36 years since I was 15 years old. I started coming when I was just a teenager with my parents. My parents taught me that serving and giving was the most important thing in my life. And so I began serving uh, pretty much right from the beginning as I came. They were the influence in my life and uh, taught me what a, a giving lifestyle was. Um, several other people in the church that really gave and showed me how to serve and modeled their lifestyle was Tom and Sandy Denny, Ryan Eileen Wentling, um, Luke Newsom, and Jim Brown. I mean, they all were an integral part of my life and have really modeled what serving and giving is, which has led into my lifestyle of giving and serving the church. Okay, so I got my passion pretty much right from the start as I started to serve and give through my parents, um, through the church. I got involved with um, nursery, got involved with kids, got involved with mowing, with cleaning. I mean, pretty much my parents came to church. I was with them. Um, we served, we gave, we were at church whenever the church was open. So my passion really grew through that. Then I went to high school, went to college. And um, when I moved back from college, I started serving again, got involved with nursery and all those ministries. I was elected to the church board. And from there, it just kind of has blossomed into being involved with the facilities, the buildings and ground, um, which has really been my passion. And I feel that God has um, given me the skills and abilities in this area. So that is where my focus has been, where my passion has been, and kind of what I really truly focus on in my life. So over the years of serving, um, God has really changed my heart. I mean, when I first started serving, I kind of served because I felt I had to. I kind of felt like my parents were pushing me to serve, but that has slowly changed over the years. God has shown me that it's not about me, it's about Him, it's about the people, it's about the church, and it's not about self. But giving gives me fulfillment. Um, so He's really grown, changed my heart to be more compassionate, to be more loving, and to really serve with a heart of love like Jesus came to do. Philippians 1 6 says, He who began a good work in me will see it through to completion until Christ comes. And I'm not perfect by any means, but I know God can use me and he is still using me as I serve. Even though I'm a broken person and even though I'm a sinner, he uses me and that he continues to use me even though um, I'm broken. There's many examples in the Bible of God using broken people. Abraham, David, Paul, Zacchaeus, Moses, Abraham, he used all those people. They were all broken, they all had flaws, they all had failures, but he used them. And I feel like he has gifted me and that I need to use my skills and the things he has given me to serve, even though I'm a broken sinner. He continues to use me and he continues to bless me um, through that serving and giving. Serving brings me a lot of joy, a lot of peace, a lot of contentment because I'm doing it for others. I'm doing it for the church, I feel like I'm doing it for the church staff, and God fulfills me through my serving and giving. Uh, Philippians 2, 3 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but with humility regard everyone as more important than yourself. And so I try to model that as I'm serving and giving, even when you know things don't seem to go right and things break and things are always um, going haywire, you know, because there's always something going here. Um, I try to focus on, I'm serving you, Lord. This is what you want me to do. This is where I need to be. So I try to model that loving and serving the Lord as he had called me to do because without love, there's nothing. He tells us that we are to love him and love others above all else. Um, serving is important to me because it allows me to build relationships with the church staff, with others, to build friendships, I've made a lot of friends, a lot of friendships over the years of involving others to serve with me, to get involved. Um, to this day, I have a lot of great friendships because of the people I have involved and the people that are serving alongside of me. And God has reminded me that I'm in the right spot. There were several times where I wasn't sure that this is what I should be doing anymore. I should step aside and let somebody else serve, but um, keeps coming back that I'm not done with you yet. Um, you're never too old to serve. There's never a time when I don't want you to serve and that um, I serve because he has, he has called me to serve. Colossians says we are to serve with our whole heart as serving the Lord 
<clears throat> and not men. So that's the main reason that I serve, is because God has called me to serve, he wants me to serve, and I need to serve with a heart of love. God has done many things in my life over the years through only a couple different pastors that we've had, Pastor Dave, um, there was a few before that that really um, touched me and changed me. Pastor Dave and Pastor Chip have really had a, a big influence on my life. Serving softened my heart towards serving. Um, it's reminded me that it's not about me again, and no matter where I've served, on a missions trip, I'm serving with the kids, with the teens, in the nursery, fixing broken stuff, um, I know that God is blessing me while I'm serving and that I will be blessed and that he continues to grow me, he continues to change me while I serve through serving because he's taking self out of it and it's pushing more of what I do towards others, towards the church, towards building his kingdom because um, it might seem trivial at times the stuff I do and sometimes I wonder why am I serving? You know, can God really use me? You know, I feel broken sometimes, feel hopeless, but God reminds me that you're doing the things that I have gifted you with, things that I've called you to do, and so I want you in this spot, and I want you to continue to serve me. Um, Jesus modeled that. He said in Mark 9:35 that anyone who wants to be first has to be last and servant of all. So I'm just trying to model what Jesus has commanded us all to do in the Bible. Well, good morning. You guys enjoyed the videos this month? That's great, isn't it? Caitlin, Cody, Darren, just really appreciate them opening up their heart and uh, sharing with us what God's doing in them, speaking to them about and using them with. Oh, man, you can't be around Darren for very long and just not be like impacted by his passion for this church. He's found his place, his calling. It's this church. And I'll tell you what, he does about 56,000 different jobs. No joke. But that's just his passion. You can't help but be impacted by it. And it's, uh, I, I just personally, I have been blessed to be able to, uh, to uh, spend time with Darren. And I'm just, just reminded that this whole idea of being sent, of being sent, um, God's worked in his life and he has sent Darren. Uh, in specific ways into this church and then out of his community. That's what we're looking at this, this month, is that kind of just thinking about this one word, sent, um, kind of centered around that idea, Jesus, resurrection day, or resurrection evening, resurrection Sunday evening, right? Uh, disciples are scared, their life's turned upside down, where are they going from here? It's like, did we just waste three years following somebody who didn't turn out? Where am I gonna do? What's my purpose now? I don't even know what I believe. They're just, they're a mess, right? And they're scared because um, they have identified with a known criminal, right, Jesus. And um, so it's, everything's upside down. And into that setting, in that room, locked room, Jesus comes through and uh, he appears to them. And, and the first word he's, he says is, peace be with you, right? It's going to be okay. That's what Jesus is always speaking in to our life. Peace be with you. And um, he, he, he tells them, hey, I, I've, I've come through. I am who I said I was. I did what I said I was gonna do. This changes everything. And it's almost immediately after that when he says, peace be with you, he then gives them an understanding about what the rest of their life is gonna look like. Not only have I come through, I'm the savior, you've been following the right guy, but because of that, that means something for the purpose and meaning of your life going forward. And he says this, as the father has sent me, I am sending you. And those words have echoed down generation after generation after generation, the very words of God, the very words of Jesus to 10 men, frightened men in a room, are the same words that he shares with all of us today. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. See, to understand what it is to be a Christ follower, it's absolutely about a life that's broken, lost, uh, enslaved, and uh, no hope, and Jesus 
coming to where we're at, rescuing us and giving us a new life and offering us the forgiveness, the pardon, the, the restoration of a relationship with God and this new life empowered by the Holy Spirit. All of those things are true. But to truly understand what it means to be a Christ follower is to move past that to get a, 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 the full kind of, I like to think of it like a diamond. A diamond has a different sides, right? It's beautiful and you turn and you look at a different side. Well, part of that diamond of what it is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ is to now be a sent person. You and I have been given a mission. Just as Jesus was given a mission and lived out his mission and saved the world, gave the opportunity for the world to be saved, he then now invites those of us who are his followers to enter into his mission and to live out a sent lifestyle as Jesus lived. And that's what we've been looking at. Last week, uh, we talked about this whole uh, thing going on in the New Testament that has to do with, hey, because you're a believer, when you became a believer, God gave you a spiritual gift. I want to say that again because I, sometimes I don't think that we really grab a hold of that. I don't hear a lot of people talking about that. Can I say it again? The scripture teaches that when you become a believer, God does, he does something for you. He gives you a spiritual gift. Not just me, right? Not just a few of us, everybody, spiritual gift. You were given a spiritual gift. And we tried to talk through that a little bit last week, um, and we as a church are willing to get really practical with this. In fact, for two Wednesday nights, I'm thinking May 30th and June 13th, I'm willing to meet with you here at the church and go through a strengths finders and then go through a uh, kind of a spiritual gifts thing just to talk about what that means for you. And, and uh, I tell you what, strengths finders, it's a wonderful tool and we'll pay half of it. If you're willing to pay 10 bucks, we'll pay the other, I think it's 11 bucks and just help you kind of understand who am I a little bit more? Um, I think I know what I'm good at. I think I know where I kind of trend, but I'm telling you, any of you have done strength finders. You thought you knew who you were and then you walked away from this and you're like, wow, I really do understand how I tick a little bit more, what I should be doing and, and what my abilities and talents are. And then couple that with some spiritual gifts stuff and you kind of understand this is what I'm good at. This is where I should be spending my energy. And, and this spiritual gift is what God has given me to be used. Remember last week we talked about primarily in the church. God gifts each one of us to edify, encourage, and strengthen one another. You see, when we are strengthened, when we're healthy, it's a bright, shining light to the rest of the world. And when we are strengthened by one another, and each one is exercising their spiritual gifts for the edification of the church, and because of that, we are maturing and we're growing in Jesus Christ, and, and, uh, and that's the way it's supposed to work. I need you to become a better Christ follower. Did you know that? I need you. If I didn't have you, I would not be where I could be following Jesus. Did you know that? That's what scriptures teach. We, that's how this works. We pour into each other's lives and we share our lives with one another and we encourage one another and we, sometimes we exhort one another, right? That's a good word for saying we get on each other's case and say, what are you doing, man? Can't you see this? This isn't good for you. You know, those are trusted relationships. I, I wouldn't pick somebody here and over there and say, hey, I'm just gonna have that conversation, you know. But that's the way this works. And when that's happening, then I'm functioning at the level I'm supposed to, and then I'm able to carry out my mission that God has given me personally into this world. And that's what I wanna talk about today because we even talked about last week how God gives spiritual gifts, but he also gives abilities and talents that we use on a regular day in our vocation and our job and our other things that we do, and God uses us in those things. But I want to tap down to what is the core of being sent. Beyond just what are you good at, what gift do you have, there's something that's core to all of us that's at the center of what it means to be sent. I like the words of Tony Merida uh, in his book, How to Turn the World Upside Down. He, he calls Christians to a new normal. And this is what he says. Most gospel ministry involves ordinary people doing ordinary things with gospel intentionality. 
And what I want to just talk about for a little bit today is that this idea of being sent is core in this idea of being sent is embracing the Jesus lifestyle. There is nothing more, how am I going to say this? I didn't think this sentence through. You are not more sent. Uh, I don't know how to say that either. <laughs> I'm just blank. The most sent, let's see if I can get this one right. The most sent you will ever be is when you live out the Jesus lifestyle. Amen? Like, you can have gifts, talents, abilities, great. But being sent is primarily living the Jesus lifestyle. He's the light of the world, right? Dark, fallen, broken world. Needs light, needs hope. He's it. And you know what Jesus said? I'm the light of the world. But then what did he begin to say after? What did he begin to say? You are going to be the light of the world. How's that going to (laughs) happen? I'm not the light of the world. You know me, right? (laughs) Not much about me that's going to bring a lot of light into this world, right? Not like, wow, it's Jesus' life. Being, my, being mirrored in me that gives light to a world. You see, when his life is lived out in me, then I become the light of the world. That is what it is core to being set. Beyond gifts, beyond abilities, beyond talents, the core thing that this world needs is Jesus' lifestyle lived out in his people. And let's look at that, because if you've asked this question before, you're like me. We talk about the Jesus lifestyle. We talk about Christ-likeness, and that's what God's trying to do. But what does that look like? You ever ask that question? What do you mean by that, Chip? Like, um, does it mean die on a cross? Um, You know, what does that mean? And so this week, I've, I've just tried to think about how can I talk about What does it mean to look like Jesus? What is the Jesus lifestyle? I know if you're like me, that's like daunting, right? It's like, uh, you know, but I'm telling you the hope of Scripture and the, the, the purpose of Scripture is to take us from way here and get us to there and the there is to mirror the image of Jesus Christ, to begin to look like him, And I realize it's an ongoing life process. I realize that the scriptures say that we will only be perfectly like him when we see him. But really, his goal in our life is to bring us to a point where people can begin to look at our lives and say, you know what? There's something about them that's different. What is that? And it's, you know what it is? It's all of a sudden we are having the attitudes and actions that Jesus Christ himself had. That's being sent at what its core is. So let's just jump in here. I had nine things when I started this morning. I'm down to eight, okay? Because I just felt like it was too much. And so I'm gonna go really speedy and just, I, I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you as we're, as we're, as we're going through these. Because eight things in, you know, 20 minutes, um, hard to do, right? Two and a half minutes per thing. So the Lord is gonna, I'm just trusting the Holy Spirit. But I want to remind you, what did, Jesus, what did Jesus live like? And I would start this way. Jesus was led. Jesus led with prayer. Over and over in the Gospels, you read this. A sentence like this. Luke 6, 12. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray. And he spent the night praying to God. If you're like me, you're like, why? You're Jesus. Why do you need to pray? You know, it just seems like you and the Father, you're just like, why do you need to pray? You're Jesus. And yet the nature of his incarnation, when God became a man, he decided to put aside certain attributes of his God nature Not that he got rid of them, they put them aside. And he showed a lifestyle that was an example for us. And he shows us that for him to be sent into the world and to complete his mission and to live the life that he did, it was led with prayer. 
Think about it. Right before he's going to do the biggest things in the world, the cross, and what is he doing in the Garden of Gethsemane? Jesus is praying. And he reminds us, he modeled for us, that if you and I are gonna experience what it is to having been sent into our world, it will be led with prayer. I don't think there's one thing that in the spiritual realm of our lives, the enemy of our soul fights more than our prayer lives. Think about it. You be honest with me. I'm gonna be honest with you. It can be so easy. I gotta take care of this, 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 this. And by the time I come down through halfway through my day or three quarters of my day or even to the end of my day, I even talk to the Lord. Oh, there's this whole pray without ceasing thing, praying, you know, like that. But have I really stopped? I tell you what, the Lord's really been doing some work in me about this, all right? Uh, and I don't know if I'm going to share this at some point, but basically to, a, to the short story that the Lord has talked to me about it so deeply that he even, if you're like, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes he has to talk to me about something, then he has to show me how to do what he's talking to me about, all right? I guess I'm a little simple. But for me, this matter of leading my life with prayer has become such an important emphasis that now he is, I'm telling you, he's put his hand on me and said, listen, when you get in your car, you don't need tunes right then. You don't need talk radio. I want you to simply, everywhere you go, you get in the car, guess what it is? It's prayer time. Right? I'm not saying that he's telling you to do that, okay? For me, he is. He just specifically said, listen, your prayer life just needs to keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. I want your life to be led more and more by prayer. And this, this is how you and I will ever, if we're going to experience what it is to be sent into our world, to show Jesus' life, our lives will be led with prayer. Um. That's all I have to say about that. Not Forrest Gump, but... Second thing, Jesus was guided by the Word. Again, amazing. The Word, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was... Jesus is characterized as the Word. But yet, Jesus, as He lived on this life, knew and saturated Himself in the words of God, the Old Testament Word. Remember what he did in, the, uh, in his temptation uh, as the devil's trying to tempt him in those crucial moments? How did he respond? He responded in ways like this. Jesus answered, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus was full of the word of God. It's amazing through his, his, the conversations he had through the gospel, how often he would quote the Old Testament. He knew the word of God. He was guided by the word of God. And for him to carry out his mission, the word of God in his life was an important role. It guided him. And so too, as he has set the example for us, he's the light of the world. He calls us to be the light of the world. How's that gonna happen? Well, it's a life that's led with prayer as his was and it's a life that's guided by the word right guided by the word the third thing I want you to notice is Jesus lived with humility he lived with humility read these words with me in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage In other words, (laughs) I could come down and do whatever I wanted, but I instead am going to take a humble route. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by being obedient to death, even death on a cross. The way of Jesus is the humble way. I realize I'm talking to people that live in a culture where the inflated ego has never been bigger. 
how you present yourself, how you project yourself is everything, right? We live in an age of social media where you gotta put yourself out there and you've gotta, you know, it's just like, it's, we're just crazy about ego. And all the while, Jesus called us to live a humble lifestyle, a lifestyle of humility. I like this little story I read to kind of make my point here. Everybody knows who Kevin Bacon is, right? The actor. There's some kind of six degrees of separation, isn't there, with Kevin Bacon? I look at Ken because he knows all this stuff, right? Like, you can find out, anyway, you know the six degrees of separation, Kevin Bacon. Anyway, obviously you don't, but you can look it up. Just don't Google it right now. But uh, Kevin Bacon's an actor. You would recognize his face, trust me. And uh, he played in Footloose, right? Well, his, uh, his six-year-old son saw Footloose for the first time. Not sure if that was a good idea at six years old, but he did. And he said, hey, Dad, you know that thing in the movie where you swing from the rafters in that building? And that's really cool. How did you do that? Kevin Bacon said, well, I didn't do that part. It was a stuntman. Well, what's a stuntman? He's someone who dresses like me and does things I can't do. Oh, Kevin said his son walked out of his room, a little confused look on his face. He said a little later, his son was back around where he was, and his son's, you know, thinking, hey, Dad, you know that thing in the movie where you spin around on that gym bar and you land on your feet? How did you do that? Well, I didn't do that. It was a gymnastics double. What's a gymnastics double? Well, that's a guy who dresses in my clothes and does things I can't do. Kevin said there was silence from his son, and then he asked in a concerned voice, Dad, what did you do? (laughs) To which Kevin Bacon said this, I got all the glory. You see, honestly, our lives are lived where God's grace is the catalyst behind it all in our lives. Anything good, anything meaningful, anything significant, it comes by the hand of God. Gracious. And I live every day realizing, man, without the grace of God, I'm a bum. I'm a bum. I'm self-centered. I make a wreck of things. I, I, I can't get out of my own way. And really anything, talent, ability, or anything I would have, it really was given to me by a gracious creator. And, I live, and we are called to live day in and day out with a sense of humility. Jesus lived with humility, modeled that for us. Paul said, I am who I am by the grace of God. And to live the Jesus life is to walk into every situation in our life at home, at work, with our, social, with our social circles and networks, and live just with a sense of, guys, I'm not very great, but God is. And grace has changed me, and grace is the only hope I have. The world right now is, what can you do? How good are you? And, you know, if you're good enough, then you're accepted. And all this and being sent is to have lost any kind of sense of me and to have embraced all the sense of Christ in me. Jesus lived that way. And when we live that way, we are more sent than ever into our world. They look on and like, wow. You know, that guy is really good at that. That guy has a lot of talent and ability. That guy is, or I'm sorry, I keep saying guy. That girl is, okay, woman is great at that. They are just talented and they're wonderful. And yet they live just with a sense of humility. What is going on? Where does that come from? It's Jesus. And when we do that, we just pull the curtain back 
on this glorious gospel and this glorious grace that God's given to us. Jesus lived a life that offered forgiveness. Uh, Ephesians 4.32, love this verse. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ, as in Christ God forgave you. And this is where it starts to really hit the road. You want to know what it is to be sent into your world and to show Jesus Christ, to be on mission for Jesus? Offer forgiveness. It's one of the most powerful things this world has ever experienced. I, had, I read story after story, and I could have put them in here, and I thought it's too overwhelming. They know the stories. They've seen the stories. They've experienced the stories. But when you and I offer forgiveness, we do something that is so counter to this fallen world that people can't help but stop and think, what is that? Why in the world? They don't deserve it. Are you kidding me? Look at the pain they've caused. Look at the suffering they've caused. Look at the unfairness, the injustice. And yet when we are willing to say, you know what? I get all that, but I choose to forgive you. You are as, as sent as you've ever been into this world. You are on mission for Jesus more than when you offer forgiveness. God offered all of us undeserved, unmerited forgiveness. And when we share in that forgiveness, it comes from him and we offer it out. We reveal that we are partakers of the divine nature. And there is something different about us that is a shining, bright light in a dark and fallen world. Listen, I, when I say these words, I don't say them casually or lightly. Just in my 15 years of pastoral ministry, I have walked through situations with people that I just, I was actually like um, numb from what they had experienced. And I watched them wrestle with coming to a point of forgiveness. And I've walked away and thought, because you know what? My little bubble world so far, so far, has been pretty protected. I think the most I've had to forgive is, you know, not very much, seemingly, to some of the people I've watched and walked life with, thought, man. And yet, every time, every time when they have offered forgiveness, there has been such a freedom in their life, such a peace in their life, such a moving on, and the grace of God just that heals and moves and works it is amazing, this phenomenon of forgiveness that started with Jesus. And he calls us to be agents of forgiveness in this world. It's, I don't say that casually or lightly, but I can promise you, you'll never, ever, ever regret forgiving somebody. You'll never regret forgiving somebody. And we are sent when we forgive. Jesus exemplified love. Think about Ephesians 5, follow God's example, therefore as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. I simply, as I was thinking through this point, I simply just wanted to ask each one of us to think deep within our heart. Would people characterize us, the people who know us, our family, our coworkers, our friends, would they quickly say they're people that walk in the way of love? They walk in the way of love. Because that's how Jesus walked. He, just, he, he was full of love, primarily for the Father, and then out of that love that he had for the Father, it gave a wellspring of love for others. It's the same way in our own lives as the Holy Spirit enables us to figure out what it is to love it just pours out of us. And, and uh, you know, if you haven't noticed by now, I'm not the most, um, um, 
I don't know, touchy-feely kind of guy. Um, uh, sometimes I, <laughs> my wife's not here this morning, but she could be the one to say amen. I, I'm sometimes not the most, um, oh, uh, like, thoughtful guy. Can I say that? Or are you going to like, I'm not mean, all right? I'm not. I just, some, you know, and the Lord's just, are you characterized by the way of love? And I know love looks different. It's not touchy-feely. But I just want my life to be characterized by when people look at me and say, you know what, he walks in the way of love. His actions, his attitudes are all loving toward people. Jesus lived that way. And he calls us. And when we do, you're sent. You're sent. Jesus embraced suffering. First uh, Peter 2, 21. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example. I kind of struggle with this word embrace suffering because I didn't want it to be like, hey, Jesus just went around looking for suffering. Let me give you a big hug. And he's not calling us to like, we're suffering because I went in, I want in on that. No. What he means by that and what the scriptures teach us is that when suffering comes, that we maintain a joyful, triumphant attitude in the midst of suffering. Jesus had words like, blessed are they who persecute you, right? Because then they do, you can know that the lifestyle you're living is, it's, it's right. It's Jesus' lifestyle because Jesus' lifestyle is counter-cultural to this world. And if they are persecuting you, well, you know it's because they see the difference and they're threatened by it, or they're, they're convicted by it, or they're going to lash out at it. And he says in the midst of that, as Jesus himself modeled, when you suffer, do it with a joyful, triumphant attitude. Remember, count it all joy <laughs> when you go through trials. This is what being sent is. Most people, when they're suffering, they crack. They, they turn to something. They get disillusioned. They get despairing. They, they just unravel. And they get jaded with life. And they have a whole attitude toward life that's just like cynical. And Jesus' followers go through suffering with a, a joyful, triumphant attitude, confident and secure in the Father's hand and realizing suffering cannot touch who they are and where they're going. And when we do that, the world looks on and says, why? What? Why do you still maintain a good attitude when you're being persecuted, when you're going through trial? Because we follow our Lord. Amen? This isn't easy, trust me. I'm not like... But if, if I'm called to be sent, there's no more being sent than living this kind of lifestyle. I hope this is encourages you today. Because you and I, all of us, in just following Jesus, have the ability to make an eternal difference in countless lives that we come in contact. He embraced suffering. He modeled being a servant. Remember John 13? Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master. No messenger is greater than the one who sent him. <laughs> There's a good video, Darren, modeling being a servant around here. The world does not understand this, but it's the most beautiful thing. 
when we live to serve. What are you getting from that? Nothing. What are you earning from that? Nothing. Why are you doing that? I'm just following Jesus. I'm just, I want to be a servant. And we are sent when we live as servants. We're on mission. Jesus displayed patience. Matthew 5. Listen to this. That, I want to tell you, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Um, they just kind of wreck my life. All right? Sermon on the Mount stuff. And I pray, Lord, get me to a point. I'm willing, I'm open, but Lord, I continue to need your grace to get to a point where I can live this out. But in living this out, man, it's being sent into the world. Listen to these words. You have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, Turn to them the other cheek also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go a mile, go with them too. Give to the one who asks and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus displayed an unbelievable amount of long-suffering and patience because all these things happened to him. And he calls us as his believers to not react as the world would react. I know this is a broader discussion. Some of you are already having questions in your mind, I know. And there's, this is more nuanced than maybe the words. But the tenor of it is we are people who are characterized by long-suffering, mercy, and patience with people. And that's the Jesus life. And when people look on and say, I can't believe you didn't hit him in the nose. (laughs) You probably want to say, I wanted to. But there's something in me that is greater than that. And so I didn't hit him in the nose. I walked away. Or I tried to make peace without... What is that? To me, the greatest example for us that we can all relate to is Martin Luther King Jr. and the civil rights movement. Martin Luther King Jr. was not a perfect man by any stretch. But Martin Luther King Jr. on purpose took the teachings of Jesus and modeled them in an age and a day when We were sinning as a nation, right? We were oppressing. The civil rights movement was absolutely right. And the way he chose to do that was through the teachings of Jesus Christ right here. They would march peacefully. They would be persecuted. They would not fight back. They would march peacefully. They would be persecuted. They would not fight back. Over and over and over. Until guess what? They didn't go away. And who they were and the truth of what they were standing for just kept shining and shining and shining and shining until it became absolutely, what are we doing? Why are we acting this way? We can't do this. This isn't right. The teachings of Jesus at work, a bright light. Jesus was full of compassion. It is so quiet in here today. You guys here? Okay, last point, right? Jesus was full of compassion. Matthew 9, 36, this is a common phrase. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. I love these phrases. Because they were harassed and helpless, and they were like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus lived his life giving attention to the marginalized, the oppressed. He cared about people who suffered. The word compassion, as you begin to look in the Gospels at what it says when Jesus had compassion, I mean, it was so deep within it, it who he was. He was just compassion personified. And he calls us to be people who are compassionate, who look at the marginalized and the oppressed and figure out the best ways that we can work and help 
to, to alleviate the trials and the sufferings in their lives. You know, it is a true statement when I say that every country, every country in this world, their first hospitals were started by Christians. In fact, the, the whole idea of a hospital was a Christian idea. It was a center of compassion for the sick and the hurting because Jesus modeled that with the sick and the hurting. And so his followers started this whole phenomenon. Well, let's, let's make a place where people can come and we can help them. Compassion. It's the idea of always the Christian people who look out for widows and orphans, care about the marginalized. And when we do this, it changes the world because, wow, why would people do that? It's Jesus. In 1972, I love this story, a businessman named Farahat, an Egyptian businessman, um, was, very, was pretty successful. And uh, one day he realized when he was, when he was leaving his, his home that he had lost his watch. Now this watch was an $11,000 watch in 1972, okay? Um, pretty expensive piece of... And he was distressed about it, and he was amazed, amazed that the garbage man showed up at his front door and handed him his watch. The garbage man had found it in his garbage and had taken it back. And the garbage man was a poor man, um, barely making ends meet, working a job that just barely getting by. And Farahat was, was just, um, just taken back. He, he asked the guy, he said, why in the world did you bring me the watch? You could have walked down and already sold it for thousands of dollars. That would have changed your life. That would have changed your whole economic status right there. In 72 at $10,000, I mean, it would have been a life changer for this guy. And the guy simply looked at him and said, my Christ has taught me to be honest. And he said, Farahat was so taken back by that statement that he looked at the man and he said, I didn't even know what I was saying. He just was like, wow. He said, wow, well, you know what? I will learn of your Christ and I will worship him. <laughs> just kind of one of those moments, you know, like over. But you know, he followed through on learning about that man's Christ. And it wasn't long until he came into a relationship with Jesus. And out of that, he began to walk with Jesus and learn Jesus' teachings. And it was a couple years later that he was able to, just by the circumstances of life, visit that, the hometown of where that garbage man came from. And he said when he was able to visit that town, I don't know if he was there on business, he looked around and he saw 15,000 or more people that were just living in absolute poverty squalor. He said there was no electricity or wanting water. Alcohol, drugs, and gambling were pervasive. He said he just watched men, women, and children sift through large amounts of garbage looking for something of value that could be sold for cash or traded for food. And he says as he looked on and now in his relationship with Jesus and learning the words of Jesus, he was reminded of some of those words. And his heart was so moved that, he be, that the Lord began to speak to him and his wife and they began to minister and to try to fulfill and meet the needs of those people. As time came, he felt God calling him to be a pastor and he soon became an ordained minister in a church where 10,000 people would attend. And he said, through his ministry, thousands and thousands and thousands of people found Christ. And all because one garbage man simply lived out the teaching of Jesus and shared, my Christ teaches me to be honest. And I would remind you that that's the impact that you and I living out the Jesus lifestyle can have and will have in our world.
and being sent, I, I believe you have a spiritual gift. I believe you have abilities and talents that God wants you to use and he's gonna use. But being sent at its core is simply mirroring the Jesus life. And when we do that, we are as sent as we will ever be. And we will, we will impact our world. We will fulfill the call of God that we be salt in a decaying world and light in a dark place. That's being sent. And every day, you and I are doing that and we have the opportunity to do that because we simply mirror the Jesus lifestyle. Father, go with us from this place. Encourage us, Lord, that through your spirit and through us following you that you're making a difference through our lives many times even though we don't even know it. But Lord, when we, when we live out these things, when we offer forgiveness and we live with humility and we're full of compassion, Lord, and all these things, the world looks on and sees something that's just different. It's not the natural world. What is that? It's Jesus in us the light of the world, and as his light shines into our lives, then we reflect that light into a dark world. Lord, I, I just pray today that people would be encouraged that they are, they are being sent today. They are being sent this week. They are being sent every day by the life they're living, and they are making a difference even though maybe they don't always tangibly see it and always they don't know it, but they are being salt and light and that is being on mission from Jesus. What the world desperately needs is the light of Jesus and we reflect that light. So encourage us, Lord, and then challenge us, Lord. Grow us, Lord, and help us to look back over our lives and say, you know what? I was sent. I was sent into this world to live the Jesus life. And only eternity will reveal what that meant and how many lives it impacted. Go with us. May you bless everyone this week. We pray these things in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. Have a great day.